to a uh, uh, quarantine social distancing episode of uh, Kentucky Politics Weekly. Uh, we're trying a little something different today. Uh, I'm at my house. Tom is, uh, I believe, roaming around outside somewhere. Tom Stevens, how are you doing today, my friend? I'm good, Trey. How are you, sir? Oh, I am, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just wondering if uh, we can get like a four or five year post-mortem abortion law passed to where we can, <laughs> I can kill my three-year-old, but uh, you know, we're, we're, all, we're all doing all right over here. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's, been a, it's been a week at the Watson house. We'll get into that a little bit later, but uh, let's, uh, let's, let's go through some of the, some of the new stuff first. Uh, you know, I, I think that my goal here today is to not get into the uh, kind of complainy, just general bemoaning about coronavirus. Try to keep it keep it to keep it to the relevant political news. Uh, and, we, and we've got a bunch of stuff to talk about. Let's start. Yeah, with let's, let's try it. I mean, right, let's, it's, anything that doesn't talk about COVID nineteen sounds like a good idea to me. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's all anything that's political is going to be revolving around it right now. Uh, but you know, we can at least talk about the impact on politics rather than the the virus itself. Uh, you know, the first thing to start with, I actually got a call from a reporter and talked for a while uh, about this. Someone the other day is uh, Thomas Massey. He uh, did not really make make many friends last week, especially among his uh, fellow congressmen, when he decided that uh, he was going to try to force attempt to force a uh, a roll call vote rather than a, a simple voice vote on the COVID package. Yeah, you know, Congressman uh, Massey is is a very outspoken, um, has a very unique background. Um, but this is one of those times where I think the Commonwealth has gotten more attention than it ever possibly imagined it could get. Well, I, I you know, I understand Congressman Massey and his uh, libertarian leanings. I understand his desire to stand on principle, but you know, at it's, it's some points in time, especially when the, the personal health and safety of staff and fellow members is, is in question, you, know, you, you might have to make exceptions, which of course he eventually did. Um, but you know, I, I, I've seen no polling to indicate this or not, but you know, certainly quotes uh, from from people like my former boss, uh, Scott Jennings, and, and others kind of indicating that they think that, that primary race is, is going to tighten up. And, you know, the president kind of went to town on Congressman Massey on Twitter. And, uh, you know, the question now is, does that does that make this a just a closer loss for uh, or a closer win, rather, for, for Congressman Massey? Or, or does it actually put the race into play? It's such an interesting time, you know, where the, the primary has been extended out into June now. The the gentleman that's running against uh, Congressman Massey is a guy named Todd McMurtry, who I've done some work with. Uh, he's a prominent attorney. He's a former member of the Kentucky Bar Association Board of Governors. Uh, it's not a, this isn't a shrinking violet. I mean, this is somebody that uh, I think is a very capable um, candidate. Um, and you know, I, I don't know how much advertising he's going to have to buy after after this last go round. Well, and that, that's that's the real difficulty, though, with everybody being quarantined and having to run a campaign. Uh, and you know, I've talked about this with some some members of the media about uh, uh, the Democrat Senate primary. Is I think that thing's over now because Charles Booker needed to be able to go out and have rallies and grassroots organize and be able to show that he get 500 people supporting him. And that makes it easier for other people to come out and support you and, and kind of 
uh, buck the national trend, I am McGrath. But when it's when you can't do that sort of stuff, it's it's money and or uh, existing name ID, and certainly the power of incumbency comes into play there. And that district up there is. Remember, that's a hard district to campaign in because you have three media markets you have to buy. And it's not like, you know, some of Kentucky, you can, you can just not buy Knoxville and miss, you know, Letcher County and uh, maybe part of Bell County and, and some of that corner. But they're not huge population centers. For that district, you have to buy Huntington, Louisville, and Cincinnati Media if you're going to do a, a big buy because those are your three population centers in the district. So that's an expensive district to run in. Uh, now, Congressman Massey is not a massive fundraiser. In fact, I would bet he gets out outraised in this race, although it appears he raised about $100,000 over the weekend. But, you know, I, I just don't know how you're going to knock off an incumbent congressman when you can't get out and do the sort of grassroots organizing that you need to do to win a race like that. Well, I think it's it's a race has been made out of something that I don't think there was a race before. So I'm yeah. interested to see what happens. It, it'll definitely be something that gets a lot more national attention than it ever would have otherwise. Oh, definitely. You know, if, you, if you do make it to the fall, think about the things that have happened. I mean, that's a district where um, president Trump has come to before. And, and in light of that, I mean, it's, it's hard to imagine a scenario by which he's going to actively support Congressman Massey. And this is a guy who's really in some respects cut from the same cloth policy wise. So I, I don't know. It's especially to take into account um, the last governor's race. I mean, um, you know, that, that, was, that certainly didn't do uh, Governor Bevin any favors. I mean, that's been an area that's been a very uh, strong, um, I'm almost, I don't know if I want to say the word Tea Party or not, but it's been a, um, you know, it's been an, an area of influence and it, it certainly wasn't there in the last race. So I don't think any of those things bode well for Massey. Yeah. You know, like I said, I, I, I just, it certainly is, gonna tighten up. I just don't know if this makes it so that Congressman Massey wins by a smaller amount than he did or if it's or it's a if it's a real race. I just not being able to you know, usually something like this, I'd get, I'd go up there and talk to physically talk to people and spend a lot of time on the ground. And obviously I can't can't do that right now and I've seen no polling on it. So yeah, I, I just I don't have a good feel on 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 where on where that's gonna lay, but it's certainly Certainly, is an interesting tactic for the congressman to take. <laughs> I mean, you're you're a member of the media. I mean, we could we could get you a spacesuit, send you up there, put yeah, you on recon. I'm essential. I'm essential, Tom. We both are. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hell, I'll drive. I mean, I'm not <laughs> but I mean, I'll drive you around if you want. I mean, as long as there. we're back by dark. There you go. We can get permission. Yeah. Before the COVID zombies come out. Uh, <laughs> they. Uh, no, I, I do. I think it's. I think. I think there's. Uh, there's going to be a lot of national attention to it. I mean, it's. Uh, I, I used to try. I, I used to be adamantly opposed to the concept of term limits because I thought that in a small state like Kentucky, there was no way that we could ever have the type of influence on the system without seniority. And now it's it's like you see these people that have been there a relatively short amount of time that have attracted these national followings that are outspoken. I mean, I, Rand Paul being the just a, a preeminent example of that. And so it's it's sort of changed my philosophy on it. Uh, just, I'm, just another example. I'm still 100 percent against term limits, but that's that's a conversation for another day. Uh, let's, let's get on to, to, to fresh hot news you can use. The state budget passed uh, uh, like a half hour or so ago. Uh, they only did a one-year budget this year. I, I know you've looked at a little bit more than I have, and so I'll let you kind of go through some of the specifics that you that you saw in it. But it's a one-year one budget, no, no 
spending increases, just kind of tread water until we know what the revenue is going to look like? Is that kind of what, what popped out? Yeah, it was really interesting. So it is, in fact, a one-year budget. I don't know if there's any type of political chain, chicanery somebody can bring up later about the fact they only did the appropriation like that. So I guess they've set it up so that they have to be brought back into session to address it. Um, you know, we're, we're in un, uncharted waters with uh, what we've experienced here recently. Uh, I'm trying to think of specific things. So all the, all the salary increases and raises and things that have been put out there, you know, all those, all those were pulled back. Um, the sweeps are less than it looks like what Governor Bashir had originally asked for. Things that I'm close to, though, I, you know, kind of looked at and rolled my eyes a little bit. Um, I guess one thing that was really surprising to me, and it, this might be a, as far as I've seen in news coverage, this is going to be a Kentucky Politics Weekly exclusive. You know, there's a line in there um, that specifically says that in the next biennium, uh, so that um, state agencies can recruit recruit and retain the finest workers, um, that they're going to move all state or at least executive branch employees, so not the AOC or the LRC, from a 37 and a half hour work week to a 40 hour work week. And that's specifically listed in there as, as something they're going to do. There's no appropriation listed to it. So for you state employees that are out there, congratulations. You're going to work uh, six over 6% more, uh, I guess, for the same amount of money, either that or I'm not sure how they're going to get there. To be yeah, honest. I was going to say, that's, there's that's a thousand legal issues with it, but uh, they they've thrown in a throwaway line in the budget bill that says that there will be a um, it'll be a 40 hour workforce, which is kind of interesting in a time where we're actually looking at contracting workforce. And if you go in and compute the number of employee equivalents, whatever else, arguably we could shrink this thing down, but we're going to expand. So I, well, and, and, I, I'm and excited. I want to see them pull it off. You I, know, that, that's going to be that's going to be a fun issue for me from afar. My, you know, my question there, like you brought up, is, you know, we, we do have some limited number of, of, of wage-earning state employees that then, you know, most are on salary. Like, you know, what, what's the what's the implication of, of the, yeah, of, of, of their their income versus time earned? Is everybody getting a raise to, to, to reflect the extra hours or, or only what? people who work, who work on wages? Yeah, and that's the thing, Trey. When you go and actually look into the system, the actual way that the funds are computed, it's based on an hourly amount. So even though, like, for legal purposes, you are a salaried worker, uh, just throw, throw that baby out with the bathwater. It's a 6% difference. It's a 6 and two-thirds percent difference in, in time work for somebody moving from 37 and a half to 40. So you're talking about a 6 and two-thirds percent increase in salary, um, retirement costs. It's, 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 it is the strangest thing under, the, under these circumstances. I don't get it. I mean, I've got a really good idea where it came from, but it's going to uh, – people are going to be back walking this one for a long way. So, I, you know, I, it, I'll be honest with you. When we went in there uh, four years ago, it had been a goal to move the entire workforce to a 40-hour workforce and with that use it as a mechanism to provide the, the, the increase in compensation. And, I mean, candidly, there's no money for it. I mean, there's nothing remotely. So why in this time of austerity – um, total unpredictability, why this got put in there or got, I can't why it got put in there. I don't know why it got left in there. So um, it's good. This will be a very fun one for me to watch from the sidelines and figure out how the Bashir administration and the legislature are going to, going to work it out. Cause I, I think when the employee groups and retiree groups and when they find it, and again, best I can tell we're scooping this issue. Um, I, you know, I, boy, it's going to be some fallout. Yeah. So, but there's going to be some, some mad people that they're going to be asked to work work more now if they're if they're getting if they get paid for it yeah, yeah. If they get paid for it, they'll be happy 
Yeah, what's crazy about it, though, is, I mean, I think one of the things we're seeing now is there's a lot of spots where we could work less. I mean, we're going to have to prioritize um, government services because it's just we got a massive revenue shortfall. Um, well, trying to think, anything else that was huge that was in the budget that caught my eye, pretty much just everything went away. I mean, things that we joked about at the beginning, we talked about, uh, you know, uh, uh, sports wagering and some of those things, uh, dead, dead, dead. The biggest one that also went through was the – um, the quote unquote free CRS bill, I guess, is, has passed almost uh, unanimously. And that's, I know, again, another thing that in this time where the pension system is under huge pressure, um, it comes with a reset for the county employment system where they're going to start the amortization schedule over again. So that hole is getting bigger. You're creating additional administrative costs there. It's another one of those, like, of all the things to be doing right now, like, what? What? I get it. I mean, I know we all know what's happening, but it's, you know, we're, we're kicking the can. Yeah, you know, the, of course, the most interesting thing to me is now this is we're going to have three years in a row with budget cycles because we'll have to come back and do a one-year budget again next year, I guess, and then another two-year budget the year after that. So you really well, want to – That becomes a question, Trey. Do they? It won, and, just create and some year, sort of a situation where the, the governor can say no? Um you know, if he chooses not to bring them back, they don't have any mechanism to come back on their own. And, um, and remember, the next, does it just straight line the budget? Next next year, it would, it would require sixty votes to pass the budget, uh, unless they, unless they do it in a special. So, uh, you know, it'll be it'll be interesting to watch. But you know, I, I think they did what they had to do because they're working with zero information. I mean, any forecast that they get is going to be wrong. So, I guess the best, the best of all bad options was to just tread water with what you got and, 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 and figure out what to do later. Yeah. Well, the governor forced their hand on it too, right? Because, I mean, yeah. he refused to do the, the open-ended special session. And, um, you know, that's, that's power politics. Absolutely. Uh, go, going on, speak, speaking of, uh, of uh, uh, extended and, and, and unknown periods of time, uh, President, who was going to try to reopen the country by Easter, he said. Uh, now we're we're closed until at least April thirtieth. Seems seems a little bit optimistic. Uh, now, are we talking Orthodox Easter, or were we talking uh, <laughs> traditional Roman? Ca- I've got a buddy who's Orthodox, so we always have this argument, like whether or not it's his Easter. Or not. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's not looking good. I mean, I, I don't. Is there anybody out there that thinks that we could see any type of of real softening in the next? three weeks four weeks the 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 numbers that i've seen for the for the peak for kentucky i've seen predictions anywhere from the middle of april to the middle of may so i you know i think it's going to get a lot worse before it gets any better and we've been sliding too right i mean as we continue to look at the projections haven't they been pushing further and further out which is kind of a sign of the social distancing working Kind of, sort of, but you know, when you look at the at the, there's different companies doing stuff with cell phone data now, and, and as far as where phones are being pinged from, and in relation to, to other phones, and uh, you know, we're actually one of the one of the worst states on <laughs> on following these social distancing orders, apparently, according to those really? studies. Yeah, yeah, I hadn't seen that. Uh, I, um, boy, I sure am glad though that we're getting all that really uh, uh, good. Um, information from China right now. I mean, that, wow, boy, that's been <laughs> helpful, hasn't it? I, I mean, I, I don't know how, I don't know how accurate or helpful it is to base your 
belief of, of death numbers on, on, on the number of urns being delivered, but you know, we have nothing else to go on. And these people are crazy and they, they won't tell us anything. And, and remember we, we've based most of our early actions on the Chinese experience. And I think the whole world's at the end of the day, the whole world's going to look back at this and we're all going to want to go kick China square in the ass because we're going to all suffer because China whether it was local officials in Wuhan who did not want to give bad news to their superiors, or it was the folks in Beijing not wanting to let the, let the world know that they let something get out of control. China's, China's lying to us is going to cost hundreds of thousands of lives around the globe, if not millions. You know, it's one of those things. If Only four months ago, if you'd asked me, Tom, point on a map where Wuhan, China is. I'd have looked at you like you're crazy. And now I'm like, oh, uh, Wuhan province is right, right here, you know. It's, um uh strange times yeah uh kind of the last thing to get to in this part is uh so apparently andy Bashir is now a meme and uh any <laughs> you know there there's a uh salon.com article that's uh like govern me daddy or something like that which is just kind of gross to think about but uh, uh yeah but <laughs> The memes and, and, and you got Virginia and Kenneth. So I actually saw today somebody is selling as a fundraiser for, for some charity. Somebody is selling. Uh, I know one of them is uh, put up the slide, Kenneth, but there's some T-shirts. <laughs> with different well, I, I have to say, especially on the stuff with uh, the, uh, the sign language interpreter, Virginia. I mean, I love to see somebody that's kind of the uh, rank and file employee get get that special recognition i thought the thing with the kentucky colonels i mean i, I that kind of gave me warm fuzzies on that but i've on the, the Bashir memes you know somebody sent me a andy Bashir meme generator link today so that you can figure out which andy Bashir meme you are uh it turns out i am not an andy Bashir meme <laughs> 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 i'm not an andy Bashir meme so i, I think philip bailey tweeted that today <laughs> to, to everybody everybody's got a different thing. I mean, it, it's, it's rare that I am this far um, out of the, the mainstream right now, but I, I I've got a, a, a different take that I really don't have any desire to share, but I, you know, I'm, it's, boy, we live in just such interesting times right now. Uh, it's, uh, it's strange. Um, that's kind of the news. Did you get, get any of the news stories you wanted to cover, Tom? All right, well, we're gonna I mean, everything, everything, that, everything that we would touch right now. It's just the, the level of depression is so bad. I don't, uh, I don't yeah. want to drive and, any, and he, any of he, our uh, seven viewers away from from the show right <laughs> now. It's a critical time. And and you, and you can get all that in the paper or on cable news. I mean, they're you know they're, they got record ratings, and it's because they're bringing you doom and gloom. Uh, we don't want to uh, accidentally start putting facts in the show. We're just gonna screw everything no, up. No, never, never. We have we have a model that works. <laughs> um, all right, so we're we're gonna go something that'll 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 become fun as we as we move a little bit further through it. Uh, but to kind of explain why we didn't have a podcast last week, uh, if you've been listening since since, since the beginning of the show, uh, since, since the episode one, uh, you know I, I refer and, and tell stories about my dad and stuff he's done over the years, uh, pretty often, probably probably about once a show. Uh, we actually lost my father uh, last week. Uh, he passed away at the age of 68 down in Florida. Um, still trying to kind of figure out exactly exactly what happened. A heart attack at, at the end of the day, but um, you know, we're, we're it's it was a rough week rough week for us. My dad had had a had a 
literally a literally unbelievable life. Uh, I've been talking to a bunch of his friends this week, and you know, Tom, the hardest part about all this is uh, is uh, trying to call <laughs> trying to call my dad's friends to let them know because you know you can't look up Marty Stewart and John Anderson just like go to Google and get a phone number for them. <laughs> It's, you do, uh, yeah. You usually go to jail. I mean, like, yeah. So, I mean, yeah. Marty Stewart's house. I mean, it, it's been it's been it's been kind of an adventure to uh, to try to get a hold of people and let them know. And and you know, but when I do talk to them, everybody's always got a got a got a fun a fun new story that I haven't heard before about him. Um, so I was trying to trying to kind of figure out a way that we could we could do something that would honor him on the podcast. It wouldn't be it wouldn't be sad. And, because he, he wouldn't want anything said. But my sister and I talked the first time that, that we talked to each other after we found out. Uh, we uh, we said he, you know, he, he, wouldn't want, he wouldn't want the funeral. He'd want the wake and nothing else. Uh, he'd want the party. Uh, so I thought today, since everybody's stuck at home, um, you know, you may have finished up Tiger King. Which uh, Have you watched that yet, Tom? Oh, yeah. I mean, th- that's actually uh, one of the things that seems to be uniting America – this this Tiger King fascination. Um, what a bizarre damn like show! Memes and things I forwarded <laughs> around. Yeah, well, I mean, it's what weird. a bizarre show. It's weird. Yeah. So, have you finished it? Yeah, we finished it last night. Uh, I mean, it goes with that saying: if you're out there listening and you haven't watched it yet, or you're one of those people that just, you know, you're the person that's refused to watch Star Wars because you just, you know, you're decided to be not part of the culture. Um, you need to go watch this. It, it, it is literally it is that bizarre that you have to watch it. But anyway, if you if you finish that and you're, you're looking for things to watch or rewatch, um, you know, my father when I was when I was far too young to be watching most of these movies, about ten years old, uh, kind of said, well, you know, it's, you, you're going to grow up, you need to start watching these movies. It's a he called it, he called them the required viewing movies and did the same thing with my sister. And uh, so I wanted to kind of run through some of those movies. Some of them you may have heard of, some of them you may have seen. I bet most of them you've probably seen at least one. I would bet very few have seen. Uh, but I actually went through and looked up to see where they were, where they're all streaming at. Uh, and we could say that. And I, I think we'll kind of run through them. And, and Tom and I will say a few words about, about each one. Uh, the first one we'll start off with is, is uh, one of my dad's absolute favorite movies. Actually, one of, our, one of my Facebook memories today was... Uh, I guess I had been watching Major League and posted uh, the uh, the Bob Euchre quote about uh, Ricky Vaughn <laughs> Ricky Vaughn having spent last year in the California Penal League, and uh, <laughs> my dad had my dad was was putting quotes underneath that uh, in the comments. Uh, but uh, <laughs> a Major League, Tom, your your thoughts on one of the all time great baseball movies? Yeah, I mean all time uh, baseball movie, all time great sports movie. Um, just the characters interplay. If I was going to complain about it, I would say that uh, maybe a little bit too much Rene Russo, the love affair thing in there. Uh, it's it's a, just an all-around classic. Love the movie. Uh, I, Euchre's time in that where he's the announcer. I mean, could there be a more classic baseball announcer? Euchre and, and, and I mean, the first scene when they call uh, – they call uh, – uh, char- they call about, about hiring, hiring uh, the coach – so I don't, I don't know. I have to call you back, Charlie. I got got on the other line about a set of white walls. <laughs> <laughs> that and, and, probably, and probably my most used line, maybe of any movie that we're gonna go through today. One of my most used lines in, in every day to day life is 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 uh some some of, these, some of these guys are past their prime. Some of these guys never had a prime. Well, this guy's <laughs> dead. Well, then cross him <laughs> off the list. <laughs> 
<laughs> so if, if, you, if you get the hanker and want to watch Major League, uh, and by the way, some of these aren't even available anywhere on any of the streaming apps. Uh, they're pretty much all available to purchase on uh, on Vudu or YouTube or or, uh, or Amazon. Uh, but we're gonna we're gonna give you, if available, the free streaming sources or at least ones that if you have it on, on cable or whatever, you know, it's a little bit easier to access. Major League is, is currently streaming on the Showtime Amazon app. Uh, or Showtime Amazon channel, rather, if you've got Showtime. Well, you can probably buy all these directly from Wuhan right now if you want to support the recovery. Um, <laughs> what about – was that Wesley Snipes' first movie? I don't know if it's his first movie or not. It's, it would certainly be the first one that, that – I, I don't know what came first, that or White Men Can't Jump. I'm assuming Major League. There got to be some kids out there that like haven't watched any of this stuff. I mean, this is one of, like it's it's hard for me to imagine anybody of my era that hasn't seen basically every movie that you've got on the list here. I mean, I, that's just what a movie. <laughs> All right, then the next one, uh, another absolute classic, uh, another actor we lost far too early, uh, Uncle Buck. Uh John Candy. Yes. Uh, you know the whole stuff with. <laughs> Uh, I, I was texting my sister the other day, and she was actually rewatching a bunch of these movies. And and uh, I I called her for something, and and they she was at the part of Uncle Buck where uh, where they'd got uh, Bug, the boyfriend, in the in the car with him, with the hatchet. Oh yeah, yeah, it's classic. Bug, Nat, similarities. Uh, <laughs> Uncle Buck. I mean, is- how many times have you seen like some sort of a a wart and and thought about that scene with the principal of the elementary school? Oh yeah. Uh, here's a here's a quarter. Go downtown and get a rat to gnaw that thing. Uncle Buck is if you want to catch it, it's uh it's on Stars, I guess, and I'm assuming that's you can also get that on Stars on Demand, but the Stars app would be Stars Amazon channel. Uh, the next one we got 48 Hours, uh, that, which was which was Eddie Murphy's first movie. Gosh, it's been a while since I've seen that. Uh, I mean, that would be a good one to go back and rewatch. The fact that the very first introduction you get to Eddie Murphy on on the big screen beyond Saturday Night Live is him in the jail cell singing Roxanne is just fantastic. <laughs> it's been a while, yeah. That and, and I love the <laughs> another quote I, I used a lot. Uh, uh, Nick Nolte's pouring the bourbon into his coffee, and uh, and somebody says it's like a that's a pretty shitty way to start the day. So maybe it's going to be a pretty shitty day. <laughs> Yeah, I think a lot of us can relate to that right now that have been taking care of uh, um, elementary, middle school age kids in our house. Oh, there's there's a meme going around that's uh, that's just like my me during quarantine, and it's a cup of coffee handing off a baton to a glass of wine. Yeah, well, I forwarded you that link earlier today. That was the uh, breakfast beer yes. recommendation. And I, I can I can tweet that for everybody later if you're, if you're looking for a beer to drink at breakfast. My my uh, my personal uh, recommendation would be. Uh, and any Russian Imperial stouts, especially if you're eating steak and eggs. Uh, but uh, 48 Hours is, is, is another one on, on all, the, all the stars formats. Uh, the next one, so out of all these movies, Tom, there were two that, uh, when I was watching these back in the 90s, that were just damn near impossible to find. Uh, Dr. Strangelove was the next to last one that we found, and we had to like special order it from France or something at, 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 at like a movie store in the mall. Uh, it's Dr. Strangelove or How I Stopped uh, Worrying and, and Love the Bomb. Uh, Stanley Kubrick, I guess probably his, own, his only comedy. Maybe I yeah, it's comedy that Kubrick did. And it's dark. Uh, oh, it's, as yeah. he, uh, I actually watched that movie when I was a political science student at Tulane. I had a faculty member 
that showed that like as a I don't remember what the it was like an American military history something and he was trying to to explain mutually assured destruction and all that uh, political theory on that that's that's when I watched it. that's probably the only time that I've seen it it's it's uh, some dark stuff oh, but it's it's a fan you know gentlemen there's no fighting in here this is the war room that's a great uh, I, I love that movie, and you know, I'm it's, uh, George George C. Scott. Am I correct? Uh, George C. Scott, and then uh, Peter Sellers, who makes a couple of appearances right, on this list, right, plays yeah. like four roles. Yeah. Uh, and that, that that's on the Criterion Channel. If you if you paid up for that, that's on the Watch TCM app, and it, or it's you can watch it for free with ads in it uh, on Sony's Crackle app. Uh, next one up, uh, you know, and. I think there's three or four uh, of this director's movies in the list. It is uh, Blazing Saddles. Well, uh, I mean, I, I think I was, gosh, I know it was an adult by the time that I saw Blazing Saddles, probably because it's, I mean, it's so uh, not PC today. I mean, oh, there is, zero, there is zero chance that this movie would be made today. <laughs> no, I mean, Mel Brooks. Uh, you know, it's interesting, too. I, I think that some of the backstory in that is some of the different people that were given the opportunity to play in that role. Wasn't Eddie Murphy one of the people that were targeted? No, no. It, it, it was way before Eddie Murphy. It was actually written – it might oh, have been written by Richard, Richard Pryor. Pryor. Richard and Pryor. And I, I think this was right around the time when he was really – he had a really serious uh, – he was just really involved with the drugs at this point. And uh, so they they ended up trading, trading out for uh, – Levon, I can't remember his last name, in the, in the play of the sheriff. I, you know, it, it's, I mean, there's so many. We, you know, we can spend the rest of the podcast quoting lines, blazing saddles. Up. I mean, it's, yeah, let's not do that. Yeah, it, but it, it is, it is, it is so, <laughs> it is so funny and just, I mean, it absolutely could not be made today. <laughs> it absolutely could not be produced. Uh, but that, if you want to watch Blazing Saddles, it's on, it's on Hulu. Uh, oh, that actually might be a good. I don't think I can watch that yet with Lizzie. I don't think <laughs> she's ready for it. Uh, an eleven in nineteen eighty, maybe not eleven in two thousand twenty. Uh, the next, uh, sticking with sticking with Mel Brooks and to Mel Brooks's very first movie, and also the very first movie of Gene Wilder, uh, is this is by this is the hardest movie for us to find. Uh, we did not find this movie until about two or three years after we had finished watching all the others and we found a copy of it bizarrely in the, in the library at Paducah community college, but it's the original version of the producers from 1967 uh, with, with directed by, by Mel Brooks, very first movie. It's Gene Wilder's very first movie. Uh, I know Tom, you, you said you've not seen this one, correct? No, I have not. Um, I guess the closest I got is I saw uh, a traveling version of the, the theatrical production, gosh, a million yeah. years ago, I lived in D.C. at the uh, Kennedy Center. And it's, you know. Now that they mean, got all that extra money in the in the uh, uh, Corona relief bill, maybe they can bring it back. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, I, you know, obviously, it, the musical's, you know, heavily based on it. There, There is some differences, but, I mean, if, if, if you've never seen the original producers, uh the, the the musical to me the musical and in, in the the Nathan Lane Matthew Broderick movie version just they, they pale in comparison to, to the original especially when you when you look back and consider this was made in 1967 we're 20 years beyond World War II and and a, a Jewish comedian is writing a movie about a musical based on Hitler <laughs> called Springtime for Hitler I mean I 
the again movies you cannot you cannot do today that are listening to this that haven't actually seen this and they're like or, or aren't familiar with the the play and they they just said what what did you just say springtime yeah. for hitler yeah and, yeah, that's, that's, and that's, germany that's, that's, well, yeah. Win, winter for poland and france uh, the, unfortunately, the producers is one of one of a couple movies on here that are not currently available. It's not, that you can't find anywhere on streaming uh, that you don't have to pay for. You can you can go buy it off of a uh, Vudu or or Amazon uh, to to stream, but uh, uh, for digital download. But, but it's not on like you know Netflix or anything like that. Uh, sticking with Mel Brooks, uh, History of the World Part One, which I actually uh, shared a clip from uh, earlier this week with with, with a friend because. They're saying something about like, are you, you still working? You, you know, you still got clients and stuff. And I just sent him the video clip that was, uh, it was when Mel Brooks <laughs> goes, goes get unemployment. And it, 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 I'm a stand-up philosopher. Oh, a bullshit artist. Did you bullshit this week? No. Did you try to bullshit this week? Yes. Another. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh. <laughs> Another fantastic movie. Uh, also, another one that's not currently uh, on any of the major streaming services. So, uh, I think you can you can buy it to uh, on digital download. Uh, next up, two Monty Python. We'll just we'll just couple them together: The Holy Grail and The Life of Brian. Um, I mean, I, I think about the Holy Grail. I, 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 the the scene where they're riding the the horses, the so-called horses. <laughs> then. Been been many many a moon since that. Um, probably wasn't at my finest moment when it was on. <laughs> yeah, that, I'll leave that, it at that, right? That, that, that uh, I mean, there's you know again so many lines quote, quote for that. And the life of Brian is is just it. It's a strange movie. You got to get into it, but uh, you know, interesting. Life of Brian was not going to happen because nobody would finance it. George Harrison stepped in and financed yeah. it for him. Yeah. Uh, but both, both those movies are on Netflix right now. Uh, the next one, I, I don't know if you've seen this one, Tom. I love it. It's probably the least viewed uh, uh, movie on this list, and it's actually based on a book that was on one of my summer reading lists when I was in high school, uh, The Mouse That Roared. Have you ever seen this one? Nope. Can't even say I've heard of it, right? Mouse That Roared is, uh, like I said, it's based on a book, and it's Peter Sellers plays almost every role in the movie. And it's about a very, very small uh, fictional country that that lies uh, in the in the uh, uh, the mountains in between France and Spain, and uh, the a company in the U.S. starts producing a wine variety that that is, and they're like stealing the name, you know, kind of like champagne, except except for I forget what the name of the wine is. It's it's the Duchy of Grand Fenwick. And they start producing the same wine variety that they produce there, and it's and it's basically destroying their economy because that's that's their only their only income. So they decide they, they see that the U.S. Uh, if they declare the U.S. declares war on you or or you declare war on the U.S., you know they spend all this money like in the Marshall Plan to to rebuild you. So their plan is we're going to declare war on the U.S., let them invade us and and, and defeat us, and then they'll pay to build up infrastructure and save our country. And so they send a group of medieval era armed, like with bows and arrows, on a boat into Philadelphia. And it ha- just so happens that it's it's during a a nuclear bomb uh, drill, and and they they kidnap a scientist and steal this this bomb this new bomb, and now all of a sudden they control like the whole world. It's it's it is fantastic. 
it's uh, it's political, but not too political. Uh, Peter Sellers, again, is great, and he plays literally every role in the entire movie. Uh, he plays the queen. He plays the prime minister. He plays the guy who, who leads the invasion team. Uh, it's it's definitely worth a look. It, it, it is not on any of the main, major streaming services, uh, but it is available for purchase on, uh, on something like Voodoo or, or, or Amazon. I, I highly recommend it. It's a great book, too, uh, called The Mouse That Roared. Uh, the next one, Bull Durham. And this is, this by the way, basically anywhere that you want to stream something, Bull Durham's on it. But uh, Bull Durham, great, great baseball movie. Uh, great, great baseball movie, great sports movie. Uh, Cash Daniels, uh, or Davis, Crash Davis. Yes, uh, Crash Davis. Yeah, you know, at a personal level. So one of the problems, you know, you go to law school and you end up in these different jobs and roles and people assume you know what the hell you're doing, right? I mean, you know, you went to school, you did something, and there's some, uh, so many different wonderful words of wisdom out there, basically uh, fake it till you make it. And so I found myself in a role many years ago where I had to fire a lot of people. I'm like, how do you fire somebody? And I immediately snapped back to the, uh, the manager scene at, at, at the beginning of Bull Durham and, you know, take a seat. This is the hardest thing that, that a manager's got to do. <laughs> Ball Cubs decided to go in a different direction. <laughs> I mean, it's it's very, you know, it's not threatening. It's it's what it is. I, I got that from uh, the, the the great manager character in, in Bull Durham, and I've, I've repeated that many times. Lollygaggers. Great movie. What does that make them? Lollygaggers. <laughs> Lollygaggers. How, how, how did we ever manage to win 10? It's a miracle. Uh, <laughs> great movie. <laughs> Next one up is, is uh, another Peter Sellers movie, uh, Pink Panther. Dead ant. Dead ant. There's some Steve Martin versions. There was many other, uh, I think there were four or five Peter Sellers uh, uh, sequels, but the first one is, is definitely worth, worth, worth the watch. It's a uh, it's, it's, The only place I can find it is, is the, if you have direct TV, you can get it on that app or you, or you can buy it. Uh, next one up, The Jerk, uh, another SNL comedian's first, uh, first, first movie appearance, Steve Martin. Yeah, just in a, what an amazing, talented actor. Um, you go back now, and I didn't realize at the time the relationships that he had and the people that he hung out with, the personal friendships with people like Johnny Carson, um, just the incredible sharp wit of that guy. Uh, and The Jerk is, is one of those movies that you can't really describe it to anybody. It's just so absurd yeah it's it's kind of bizarre and uh uh i, I don't know I, 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 have you caught any of the videos lately where he's you know he's he's got the uh, uh where he plays the banjo it's the, oh, the, he's high, all, he, the high canyon he's, rangers is that the group steep canyon rangers he he's he's always been a fantastic banjo player i was actually showing my my three-year-old a video of uh steve martin and kermit the frog doing uh building banjos the other day oh that's amazing uh, actually, you know, my, my sister there worked on a, uh, or she did, uh, when they do a workshop musicals, uh, usually a lot of them get done up in Poughkeepsie, New York, where she did some summer, uh, kind of internship type things. And one of the ones they were working on, uh, one year that she designed all the lighting for in the, the kind of the, the test runs, uh, was a musical called Bright Star. It was written by Edie Brickell and Steve Martin. And, uh, <laughs> Steve Martin was, was there like all summer and she said he would just you know they, they work on that when they take a break he would just like get his banjo out and sit on the back loading dock and play the banjo 
Wow. <laughs> There's uh, a great, uh, somebody had a great thing on social media the other day, and it was, uh, have the Muppets redo any film that you can think of, and you get to keep one human actor. And people I mean, had some hilarious stuff that was up there. I think my pick was Gladiator. So I was going to go to the Russell Crowe <laughs> character, and then the Muppets would do the rest. <laughs> uh, see, I, I, I would I would have gone with Joaquin Phoenix's character be the only human one, because then the Gladiator's are Muppets. But. Uh, makes sense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've always got to find a way to slide Kermit in there. Oh, yes. Uh, next one, Trading Places. Another uh, great Eddie Murphy movie. Yeah, I remember being in a uh, business class that was – uh, it was at uh, Tulane University at their, the A.B. Freeman Business School. And it was basically a, a stock class for uh, people with ba- getting bachelors of arts. So everybody in there, nobody, they weren't like business school students, but it was very tongue-in-cheek approach to the stock market. And uh, the professor at the time, a Dr. Peter Rusciutti, who's now, I believe, the dean of the business school there, actually played the section when they short the orange <laughs> futures contract it has has some fairly salty language in there he played that is the explanation on how to short a stock uh, <laughs> it was absolutely hilarious oh Reg, reginald reginald beaks he's he's still somewhere in that girl age uh <laughs> when, he, when he cleans out the, the guy's drawer when the drawer, he takes the joint and he like, <laughs> puts it in his great move great uh, that, that's on the direct tv app um uh We'll, we'll do two Bill Murray ones back-to-back here. Caddyshack and Stripes. Uh, I guess Stripes is probably one of my all-time favorite movies. You know, for the Kentucky folks out there, uh, much of the movie, the basic training scenes were filmed at Fort Knox. I think it's like Fort Arnold or something like that in, inside it. Uh, most of the places that they filmed have been demolished since then. There's a white barracks. Uh, amazing movie. Um, you know, the the pair that was Bill Murray and uh, what, Ivan Reitman. Uh, Harold, Harold Ramis. Harold Ramis. Harold Ramis. Yeah. You think that Ghostbusters, that was just amazing. Talent. Uh, and, uh, lighten up Francis is another one of my most used lines. Uh, and then Caddyshack, I mean, it, you know, well, Caddyshack and Tin Cup are the, the only two golf movies that matter. <laughs> yeah, both of those are great. Uh, but by both those also not available on any major streaming apps. Surprisingly, you gotta gotta pay for those ones. Uh, and the last one we'll throw at you is is uh, not the TV show, but the movie Mash. Yeah, been a long time. Uh, let's see, Kiefer Sutherland. Um, yeah, uh, and uh, oh, what's his name that played? Uh, he played uh, uh, Ross and Monica's dad on Friends too. Uh, I'm blanking on his name. The great, great satire of war. <laughs> just, you know, ab- absurdity and uh, uh, amazing movie. Uh, anyway, it's available on Hulu and the Stars Amazon channel. Uh, black, black Capsule. Black Capsule. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yo, I, I hope that, hope that, uh, it's, uh, if you're listening, you'll you'll check out some of those movies. Like I said, I tried to think of some way that wasn't sad or depressing that we could honor my dad's memory on here. And seeing as we're all shut in and need something to watch, I thought I'd uh, I'd run through some of, some of his favorites that he he essentially required my sister and I to watch. I think to the point of like sitting us down and putting it on and telling us to sit there and watch it. Uh, uh, thank you for 
for sharing that list. I mean, that's a, I mean, that's, that's, that's an amazing list of, of comedy in there. And, and one of the things, if there's a theme that runs throughout those, I mean, those are thoughtful comedies. Um, there's a lot of things that are hidden in there that, that make you think and you come back to and have those one liners that you remember forever. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I think that that's all I've got for this week, Tom. What about you? No, I, I was really thinking, Trey, about just maybe hanging out here in the yard for another six or seven weeks, you know, just sort of not doing much of anything. Yeah, I mean, I planted some stuff in the backyard the other day. I'll, I'll be able to harvest vegetables by the time we're, we're able to leave the house. So, Yeah, I, I'm literally watching my grass grow. Like, I planted grass. I <laughs> pop up. Um, I don't know. It, it's a tough time for everybody. I mean, it's um, – but everybody seems to be – people are getting through it and doing the best they can. So, Yep, absolutely. All right, well, thanks for hanging with us on uh, Kentucky Politics Weekly. Uh, you can get us on all the major streaming services. If you get us on iTunes, uh, please leave us a rating, and uh, we'll hopefully be able to, uh, to get back with you next week. We'll have to see how the audio turned out on this. And uh, if, we, if we need to – we used Zoom today. Uh, I know Whitney Westerfield will be angry. He's been tweeting angrily about why you shouldn't use Zoom, but the uh, – uh, We'll have to see how the audio came out and see if we can need to change services next week. But uh, appreciate you listening to us, and we'll be back next week on Kentucky Politics Weekly.